You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 97. I'm continuing my conversation with Adam McLaughlin about what to do when communication directors are overwhelmed. Let's go. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who's filling in for Anderson Cooper. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, and we're going to continue our conversation with Adam McLaughlin about why communication directors are overwhelmed, a conversation between communication directors and pastors to help bridge the gaps between between kind of understanding what each of us are going through, and especially in the, from the perspective of the communication director so that we can have a little bit more understanding of our world and uh, what it means when we say certain things to you or act certain ways and whatever so that we have a little understanding. We're trying to bring some clarity to uh, some of the things that happen in our experience as a communication director, someone who works on staff or is a volunteer, and just kind of what it's like to um, to deal with some of these, these types of pressures. And it's a little different and sometimes a little bit more public, which we're going to discuss today in this conversation. Last episode, if you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to that. Uh, we talked about how the comms leader is middle management, and there's a push and pull where we have to kind of lead up but lead down, and, and, and there's a lot of uh, being pulled in a lot of different directions that way. Um, we also talked about how we primarily serve other departments. So we have a lot of bosses, a lot of people with input into what we do versus somebody who may have a direct boss and doesn't have to listen to all that. But um, we're also, we also talked about how long, uh, the question, how long does it really take? So the the issue of our work cannot be rushed often uh, because it's just a, f- a finite set of work. You know, we're making something. So it only it only gets done when it's done, you know, and we're working hard as we can to get it done. Sometimes those timelines don't work out. So uh, we discussed some some practical ways to kind of help with some of these things. And the fourth thing we talked about last time was how much energy does that take? So uh, we talked about the creative cycle, and I know this isn't really specific to just communicators, but creatives in general, but it was um, a call to seek what, see what we do in communications as creative and not as, um, you know, robotic, you know, we're just producing things for you uh, on a schedule. And it's like kind of because we're organized about it, don't think that we're robotic about it. We're very creative. We're very, we think very hard. Um, today we're going to discuss about how our world is always changing. There are always rules that are set one day and the next day you come in and they're not there anymore. Um, and then we're going to talk about we ex- how we execute with strategy in mind. And that's why sometimes we're not so quick to jump on the excitement train with you about your ideas. Cause we're already thinking about how can we do that? How can we make this work? And, and we're not always there with you just yet. And, uh, you can see a podcast called dreamers versus doers. I did with Evan McBroom gets back a couple episodes for a lot of help in that area. That's some great content right there from Fishhook. Uh, Evan McBroom is awesome. So uh, check that episode out. And then um, last is our work is public in a way that no one else understands. It is so very public. And um, so we're going to talk about that today. So let's jump into this conversation. Check out the show notes for this. I believe it is going to be sethmuse.com slash 97. If you get there and that's wrong, my bad. I'm getting ahead. So who knows what this is all going to be about. Anyway, go check me out on YouTube. Check me out on Instagram. uh, And definitely go to the iTunes store, leave a rating and review for this podcast if you like it and if it helps you. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Here's my conversation with Adam McLaughlin, part two.
Um, let's talk about uh, number five. I think it's number five. We're on by. Um, our world is always changing. Hit me. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can we get on. an amen? Let me just take a praise break right there. Oh, my God. I'm just going to need the Holy Spirit speaking to me through my own blog post right now. Oh, dude, this one is such a kick in the teeth every day we show yeah. up and the world is changing. So talk to us a little bit about this issue. Well, I, I think that, like you mentioned, pastors have had a similar-ish responsibility for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the role of the worship leader hasn't changed in major ways. Um, the role of the kids pastor, I wouldn't suggest, has changed in major ways, although there's definitely different progressions and, and, and nuances yeah. and, and cultural changes it, and you know, just advances and... Yeah, absolutely. But the essentials but the of what of the church, that's for is, is pretty standard. Yeah, but the world of the church communications person is we are using tools that are essentially somebody else's private business, yep. right? It's so rented, MailChimp, rented Facebook, space. Twitter. Yeah, right. you know, Wes Gay says you're, a la- uh, you're renting from a landlord and the landlord can change the rules at any time, yep. right? He can. So... Um, that's your website, it's, that's hosting, that's Facebook, and if it's Instagram, and if one of those decides they want to update, they don't have to tell the other one. WordPress changes. They don't have to tell your hosting they're doing that. They may not. Yeah, so I got on the, I got on the phone with a supplier one time, and they uh, – not a supplier. There's uh, a company that service, sells services to churches, right? Mm-hmm. And I got on, and I – admittedly, I probably said things in a louder tone than I needed to. But essentially, I was saying, um, you know, we just built all of our processes for our volunteers on how to use your software. We've just finally put it all together in a binder. We got our volunteers trained. And without any warning, without a webinar about what's changing, without an email about what's changing, a volunteer logs into the dashboard and your dashboard looks completely different. Yes. And so I said, if you really want to serve churches, this is not the way to do it because mm-hmm. we can't play this game with you about we build a system, we empower a volunteer. When they log in, the system has to be rebuilt. And mm-hmm. I actually got a phone call from the CEO. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so that's good. anyway, yeah, that's funny good. news is we're friends hey, now. But That's progress. <laughs> so, but, but that's, you know near and dear to my heart. Right. And right. the reality is our, our, our world is changing. Like all of a sudden we log into MailChimp and now it's uh they don't even use email anywhere in their copy. Right. And to me, MailChimp is an email thing. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, Facebook changes their algorithm. How can, yeah, it was, how can we, how can we have 200 new likes last year and this year we only have 180 new likes like how come you're slacking on your job no no no. facebook's changing all their algorithms right yeah. and i need a facebook budget <laughs> what it boils down to right so our world is a map of ever-changing tools mm-hmm. and we're doing our best to use these tools and we're doing our best to keep up with them and at the same time we may have planned out exactly how we're going to launch a campaign and halfway through the campaign they change something because yeah. they have an entire team of developers who's trying new things and that equates to us having to keep up. So again, and one, of the, one of the things about, uh, pressure. yeah. And one of the things about Facebook too, you know, for anyone listening, you may not know this is that the version of Facebook you use 
is different than other versions of Facebook that are out there because they allow these, I don't know if they're private or what, but there are developers that are able to, they have their own section of Facebook users that they're able to update and try new things with. That's why you may have a, a feature on your Facebook page or, or groups or whatever that somebody else doesn't have. It's right. because all the versions of Facebook that are out there, there's probably hundreds of them, and you don't know which one you have. And you right. don't know which one you're going to have tomorrow. And, and it's like, that is, if you place some real stock on communicating with your people using a feature of Facebook, you could wake up tomorrow and it literally not be there right? with no Absolutely. explanation. No. And, and, and it's not like you can just call Facebook and go, what's up guys. They don't have a phone number, right? Hey, Mark. You, oh my gosh. It's, and it's like, you can't just go get to the bottom of this. It's just, you're, you're hosed, man. <laughs> you know, yep. you got to figure out a new thing to do. Right. So that's very Absolutely. unique to our world. And it's very, it's very hard to understand why today this worked fine and tomorrow it doesn't. Right. You know, or why that church can do something, but our church can't. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, um, you said uh, like the worship team gets to turn on the same sound system every week, but we have to turn on different tools every week. I think that's a great analogy. Um, What can we do to bridge this gap and help um, pastors and communicators talk about this in a better way? I think in this case, it's education, right? So mm-hmm. you don't have to educate your lead pastor or whoever you're, whoever you re, uh, report to about all the ins and outs, but a couple quick examples might be helpful once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. like give the example of, I see memories pop up on Facebook where all the only option was a like button, right? right? And now we have five or six emojis that we can choose from. And at one point in time, there was a flower. Well, that's gone. And, you know, these types of things, right? That's right. It was. What was that about? (laughs) Right. I don't remember, but I'm glad it's gone. Um, And so, or like, you know, WordPress runs an update. The software that your website might be built on uh, runs an update. And now an image doesn't appear where it should on your website. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you have no control over when WordPress releases an update or your hosting server is down and you're not the only website that's down. There's actually 2000 websites down, but literally there's nothing you can do about it until your hosting server gets live again. Yeah. Um, so, and I think having these kinds of conversations um, ahead of the emergent, urgent issues Yeah. Um, allows you to have a real life back and forth conversation rather than somebody busts through your door and says, our website's down, we need it fixed right now. And then you want to try and educate them about, you know, the details of how a hosting environment works. Yeah. Or, Cause in that moment, that's the last thing they want to hear about. Right. They you don't, know, they're they, not wanting the last to thing they want to hear <laughs> is why this doesn't work. I just want it to work. And, and the reality is we're like, there's, there's, I don't know. I mean, I can't do anything about it. I can, you know, if, especially if you're like me, you're not a web person. Like, I don't know how to fix that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. So I think having the conversations ahead of time, you know, and just giving a couple examples, like, you know, you used to see a like button only on Facebook and now you see all kinds of emojis and they didn't give us any warning that was coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, we don't necessarily know how the emojis or which emojis might better affect our organic reach compared to other ones. We don't know. Right. 
right? So, right. you know, we told a joke last week on our Facebook and it got some great algorithm push. We got the same number of likes and comments this week on a different kind of like, let's say a Bible verse quote, but we didn't get nearly the reach. It's, it's just what it is, right? And so yeah. just to have those conversations and show some examples before the emergency, urgent, yeah. you know, the sky is falling so, moment. So a good thing to do might be um, if you can do a, a standard email, like, hey, this week in communications, or talk to your pastor about presenting some new thing in your staff meeting. Say, hey, I'd like to talk about what's changing on Facebook, or I'd love to talk about where right. we're going with social media, or I'd love to explain, right. you know, how our website works a little bit in, in layman's terms, just so that people are educated and understand, you know, and talk to your pastor and, and see if you can get some of that time in front and uh, um, find ways to train. At least it's like, hey, I don't expect you to know how to fix any of this or do any of this. I just want you to know that right. when, when the front page of the website looks like X, it's because of why and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that can be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, a, a group in our church wanted to create a Facebook group. And this was like five years ago, four years ago for sure. And Facebook groups like were like, uh, you know, I like green Skittles Facebook group, right? Mm -hmm. Or like dumb stuff. Yeah. And I said, no, I think you want a Facebook page because they wanted to pay to reach people that they hadn't reached before. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, it's really hard to reach new people with a Facebook group. So I suggested a Facebook page so that they could reach people who are not yet connected with their group. Uh, and then like two years later, Facebook did that huge algorithm change where like everything mattered if you were friends or family and nothing else mattered with sponsorships really, unless you're going to sink a ton into it. Mm -hmm. And then I went to their Facebook page and they had really just been doing a lot of internal stuff. They hadn't boosted a single post. They weren't doing things like inviting people to come. They were doing like internal announcements. So I said to them, Hey, you know, you might consider a Facebook group now. And this was like the end of the world that I talked them out of a Facebook group and two years later I was suggesting a Facebook group. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. <laughs> right. Yeah. But right. I think from a pastoral standpoint, if your communications person makes a recommendation about one of these tools, that recommendation could easily change like, tomorrow. <laughs> right. And like, you just have to be cool with that's the reality. We, we do the same thing. We have 34 Facebook groups right now going at our church, 34. And we have a, a page on our website dedicated to helping people find their Facebook group they want to be part of. It's a big strategy for our online community building stuff. It's a huge tool. Sure. If Facebook decides that groups within messenger are now going to be prioritized versus groups on Facebook, it's like, that's going to destroy everything that I've got out there. Sure. You know? And they're like, we're not promoting that anymore. We're going to do this now because we're going one-to-one right. -one texting. And I'm just like, what? So that kind of thing can actually happen. And, uh, and it definitely um, affects our strategy, which is a great segue into our next consideration. We execute with strategy in mind. Not to yeah. say that pastors don't. It's just no. the strategy is around certain things that definitely, which we've talked about here pretty at length that, um, Hey, let's just do this real fast. Or, Hey, you've suggested this, but now you're suggesting something else. And then you suggest the thing we wanted in the first place. And it's confusing. Right. It's like, what is going on? So there is strategy involved. It's just 
it is a moving target, but um, talk yeah. to us a little bit about uh, ex- executing with strategy. Yeah, so there's two pieces of strategy, and one is the actual content. This is like mm-hmm. the images, the video, the text that you create that people actually see. And then the other is the format or the framework or the packaging of the content, right? So, right. Um, you know, when we talk about, let's say, announcements, which is near and dear to my heart, um, <laughs> um, you know, you might decide that we're only going to announce three things. That's the packaging, right? And right. we're only going to announce three things because people don't pay attention if we announce more than four things. And then they don't respond as much because they're not paying attention. And it's not necessarily that your content isn't important. Like you might have seven really important things mm-hmm. that need, that could get announced. Um, but your, your strategy or your packaging is three announcements. And so you can't just always just, you know, when, when you say, okay, we're narrowed it down to three announcements, you can't just say, well, from a content perspective, that's a terrible strategy. I mean, it might be, but you know, from a packaging perspective, seven announcements is a terrible strategy. So how do we, how do we create this balance? So, you know, pastors on, on Sunday morning, don't, don't go to your communications person and say, Hey, here are four more things I need you to include in announcements this morning. Um, or can you just whip up a bulletin insert really quickly because so many people don't read our bulletin already An insert would get their attention with these five new things. I mean, just like mm-hmm. th- we have a strategy in mind and you might say, okay, uh, we're going to keep the package of three announcements, but the three out of the seven that you chose might not be the three that we really want to push the most. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about those three? Right. And that's a really great conversation for a pastor to have with a communications person and say, okay, the strategy is only three announcements. Now we've got this whole column over here. We've got seven announcements. Which of those are the three that's worth putting in our announcement slot in service? And that's when you can start to say, who's in our service? Who's most likely to care about what we're going to talk or which one of these things will they care about the most uh, or be most likely to respond to? Uh, Which ones do we, can we talk about in a way that cuts into the time that we have to talk about announcements. Um, right. One of these needs a ton of explanation and this one doesn't need a lot. This, this is a quick, right. one, you know, so let's do that. So there's all of that. And even with social media, it's, you know, let's start a Facebook group for our campus or let's start a Facebook group for our senior adults. You don't want to start an Instagram right. for your senior adults. Right. They're not on there, you know, it just, that's not the demographic. So you know, right. when, when you're like, we want to Instagram because one person has Instagram and is the anomaly and loves it and they're 75 and they post all the time. Nobody else is there. You know, like I had a guy come to me and he's like, I want to start a podcast. And he has a ministry where he helps senior adults um, find ministry and, and purpose in that way and yeah. near the end of their, their lives. I mean, from the 60s and up, you know. And, you know, as they're investing back into the younger generations and how to invest, he's like, I want to start a podcast. And I was like, do you listen to any podcasts? And he goes, no. So do you know anybody that listens to podcasts? He goes, no. (laughs) And I said, open your phone up right now. He's got an iPhone. I was like, how do you get to podcasts? He did not know. And I'm going, I don't know that that's the best. Maybe you can release one that releases on your website that you send on an email list. And people will listen to that on their iPad or they'll just follow a link. They're not going to subscribe in Apple podcast apps. You know, most of them are not. So it's just understanding that strategy changes how you do the podcast, you know, and it right. takes that same amount of that same content and distributes it in a different way. Um, you know, and that kind of thing, I don't expect 
my pastors to think about that. Sure. I expect they want to reach a people with something. But, and then they come to me and I'm going, okay, here's the best way you can do that. And right. so that, that just requires a ton of trust. I think there's just a lot of trust building that has to, under, that has to right. happen there. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what we can do to bridge that gap besides trust. I just well, I, yeah, I think that conversation about content and packaging, right? So yeah. your pastor's creating really great content. Let me help you with the packaging. Yeah. Um, and, and not conflate those two or not assume that those two are a single piece. Yeah. And so, you know, you chose the, you chose the wrong announcements this week. So from now on, you're not going to choose our announcements or, you know, you wouldn't let us do enough announcements. So we're just vetoing the thought that we're only going to do three announcements mm-hmm. uh, or we're going to release that podcast <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know, no, no, no. You create the really great content. Maybe that's video content still, and maybe that's audio content, but maybe there's a better deliverable. Let us help you with the package. Um, but don't like create the content for a podcast, put the podcast out, then nobody subscribes to it. And then you write it off like a bad idea, right? So there is the content and there's packaging. So we got two pieces of the puzzle that have to work together and Mm -hmm. don't conflict them as if they're the same thing. Right. So, you know, you might have a really great post for Facebook, but the packaging might look like, you know, it'd be better to post this at 2 p.m. instead of 2 a.m. And so, you know, some pretty basic stuff like that. So lean on uh, to pastors, lean on your church communications yeah. person as far as content and packaging. Yeah. And um, communications people be willing to have the conversation and be willing to say, I'm not sure that's the best way to accomplish your goal. Can we try both and see which one does? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good A-B test is always good. And then at least you have like, here's what happened. And, right. uh, and hopefully data wins there. And, and truthfully, you know, posting at 2 a.m., there's a lot of people in, in Australia and the UK that listen to this podcast. So I just want to say shout out to you guys, my, sure. uh, my Aussie and, and British friends. So um, <laughs> it's really, I never talk about those guys. I really, I'm glad you mentioned that because you post at 2 a.m., they'll see it. But uh, sure. But your American audience—that's probably your bigger audience—will not. So, uh, my, or my audience, your audience, maybe different. You're Canadian. You have everybody. Um, so that's that's great. Let's go into our last one, which is another big one, and let's end with a bang here. Our work is on public display. Discuss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have another <laughs> moment. Just give me a moment on that one. Everything yeah, we do so, like, is public. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the ideas we pitch at staff meeting in some ways, that's like publicly putting our heart out on the table. Right. And you know, everything from like, uh, an angry text message at midnight because I had a typo in a Facebook post to like, uh, I clicked the wrong buttons and I ended up blasting an email to everyone on our list instead of the people that I was specifically supposed to go to. Uh, you know, none of this happens in the background. <laughs> Everything's public. A typo on the screen. I get 16 text messages during a Sunday morning service because I spelt a manual with one M and two L's instead of, or one M and two N's instead of two M's and one, whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Merry Christmas to me. My phone's exploding with you know, the grammar police. Whereas like, you know, the administrative assistant or the worship leader or, you know, the youth pastor who, you know, 
may have had a typo in a private email to somebody. I mean, none of that stuff is as public as what we do. And so I think for um, pastors to understand the difference between urgent and important. And important is like, yes, that needs to get addressed. Like we don't want to have a manual misspelled on the screen. By the way, that was a real thing that happened to me. Um, We don't want to have a manual misspelled on the screen next time we sing this Christmas carol. Um, but that's not urgent. Like, you know, the sky is falling. If we don't get this change, then, you know, there are some things you, you can change on the fly, like a lyric in a song. There are some things you can't change on the fly, like what's printed in a bulletin. We had, we had that happen this very weekend. Uh, our pastor on Saturday night was talking through his slide and he has it up on the TV and he's like, here it is. And it says, Oh, that's supposed to be he instead of we. And so as he's talking about it, you see the, the, the W just go, boop, and it turns into an H. <laughs> and they just edit it right. right there on the fly. I was like, that's great. Good job, guys. I, you know, yeah. it's, like, it's like that kind of stuff happens. That's not huge. It's not a huge earth shack. What right. you're really looking for, I think, in that kind of stuff, though, is patterns. Like what's the mm-hmm. difference between something that requires the alarms to go off and really we need to do some policy change or some strategy change, or we need to talk about our process and we need to really revamp something versus that's just a mistake. That just happens. Yeah. You know, cause sometimes that that little mistake is huge and it's really embarrassing, but it was just a mistake and it just happens. And it's unfortunate that it is out there for thousands, hundreds, hundreds of people, whatever. But sometimes it's like you do this a lot. Then it's like, okay, man, what's going on? We really need to fix something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, sometimes um, I've heard probably just about everybody I've ever heard preach a message, (laughs) you know, at some point Mm -hmm. they've referenced the wrong scripture or they had something incorrectly written down or they used the wrong word and nobody, at least not in my experience, maybe I've not gone to the right churches, but nobody in my experience has stood up and like yelled and corrected them. Yeah. Right. Or like grabbed the mic and said, you know, you said that wrong or you, Mm. you said first Timothy and you meant second Timothy. But like, I I don't know how many times a pastor might stand up and be like, make a joke about a typo in the bulletin as if that's not, you know, somebody's work. (laughs) So I think, and I will say that as a pastor, I do know that, you know, they do get emails. You know, in, in the bigger oh, sure. church, they do get those emails. So we're not saying that that because there is always somebody that's like, it was too cold in there this weekend, or I didn't like how loud the band was. You know, and it's like, well, we're not taking that into consideration. <laughs> you know, it's like, but sure, but even if somebody sends the email, they're distinguishing between important and urgent, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're saying, okay, right I in, think it's in, right. I think it's important that the auditorium not be sixty-two degrees on a Sunday morning. But I'm not going to get up and wave a flag or like, right. you know, go find the thermostat and adjust it myself. I'm not right? going to demand so, that you stop doing what you're doing right now to fix it. Right. And so even that consideration, even that person as petty or as extreme as that example might be, they've understood this isn't like fire alarm urgent. Right. right? And, and, and also, there are times where the correction is fire alarm urgent, right? I totally get that. Yeah. And there's definitely a place for that. But again, conflating those two or seeing important as the same as urgent, it, 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 it puts an unnecessary pressure on the person 
in the communications role who is doing so much work and moving in all different directions and is human yeah. and made a mistake. Yeah. And often it's like that scene from Office Space where uh, he gets four or five people coming by to tell him that he didn't put the cover sheet on the TPS reports. And he's like, yeah, you know what? it's just a mistake. And they're like, yeah, let me get you another copy of that memo. He's like, I don't, I don't need another copy. I got it right here. I just forgot. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. And he's got four different bosses telling him that. And so it just feels like, oh my gosh, I know, I know, you know, because your stuff is so public and visible. Right. You know, and then everyone has an opinion on it because it's it's artistic, it's creative, and it's like music. Everybody has a flavor they like, and you sure. know they feel like they should say something because for whatever reason. And you know sometimes they're your boss and they need to, and sometimes they're just coworkers that don't need to, and just you know sometimes they're innocently just trying to help you. Who knows? But you, right. you know, piled on, um, you know, because what you do is so public and everybody knows it was you that uh, you know they all feel like they can they need to say something, you know? And so it's like, it's not mean and they don't come from a bad place. It comes from a good place. I think most of the time, but you know, that's something that, that the communication director deals with the creatives deal with that make that stuff, you know, that. Yeah. So one thing that we did was we had a a staff text message, Shane, I guess, I don't know what to call it. In iMessage, we had a group text message. Excuse me. And if somebody felt something going on live during service was urgent, like, almost fire alarm urgent, we wouldn't send it privately to one person. We would put it in the staff message. So this is quasi public, which is quasi embarrassing. But at the same time, it meant that everybody else on staff knew I had received the message. Right. Right. So now they didn't also have to send me each a private individual message. They could say, Oh yeah, you know, so-and-so already caught that Adam knows. How many people Um, on staff when you didn't, when you did that? We had 12 people. 12. I think that's a little easier with small staff. It definitely yeah. easier with small staff. With, uh, with a large staff, like 80, that's what we have. I would yeah. not want that. No. <laughs> but, you know, but, you can, <laughs> but you can make a group of like the people that need to know. Uh, sure. You know, and maybe that's like, you know, your head usher and your worship leader and your pastor and whoever runs your live production. Right. And maybe it's only four or five people. And maybe the chain of command is if an usher sees something, they go to the head usher and then the head usher communicates that up the chain. And, you know, that way it's not like, you know, I had a a guy walk over to the sound booth from the other side of the auditorium one time to correct a typo, which was actually one of those words where you can spell it two ways. Mm -hmm. And so we end up like having a conversation about Googling this word and how it's okay to spell it two ways in the middle of service because he felt like that was <laughs> the best time to come that's, and that's good. hunt me down. Good. <laughs> so. important right then. So, uh, man, that's crazy. We'll talk about how can we uh, foster a conversation. We mentioned the text message thread. I think that's a good idea. Find ways yeah. to communicate with, uh, with everyone at once. Uh, what else can we do yeah. to help with this conversation about helping people understand, helping pastors understand that we're public in ways that they're not public? Because they are public. It's just there's oh for sure what we do is everywhere, and you know there's just the the mass quantity of it. It's out there: posters, flyers, bulletins, screens. I mean, just everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, it comes down to having conversations, and um, you really need to be willing to have really uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. in order to get to the point where those conversations are comfortable. Like I, I, when I first took on my communications position in Florida, 
uh, in 2015. I had a conversation with our pastor because one of the shirts he wore was like a little tiny pinstripe mm. and it was showing up weird on the camera. Yeah. I imagine that and so, when he walks back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't that I didn't like the shirt. It was just that it was really weird. Well, he loved this shirt. Like this shirt was a gift from his wife. And, uh, so, you know, I, you know, I was thinking like, this is going to be like the weirdest comment. I'm about to tell this guy not to wear a shirt his wife gave him right? Which is, of course, an extreme example because he can wear it any other day of the week or anytime somebody else is on stage, right? right. And so I just said, hey, uh, just a heads up that shirt that you wore on Sunday. Can I just show you a quick video clip? And he goes, wow, that doesn't work with the camera. I said, yeah, not really. So just a heads up, I said, there may be some things we can try and adjust on the camera or we can try and get some closer shots so it doesn't mess around with it that way. Uh, but I think the best solution would be, are you willing to not wear that shirt when you're preaching? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And so here I am thinking this is going to be like a terribly awkward, difficult conversation. And I know, you know, not necessarily that every pastor is going to have that conversation in that exact same way. Um, But I think going into the conversation, not anticipating how terrible this is going to be, right? Or how bad this is going to be or how frustrated somebody's, but just go into the conversation and say, this is what I need to say. And I genuinely have no expectations for what the response is going to be. I mean, I think that's the best way to have that conversation. And, you know, um, if you, if you want to on a bigger team scale, like if you're a pastor listening, then I would recommend The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. That's a great I think book. that's a really important book to read with your whole team um, mm-hmm. about having conversations. And then another one would be, uh, I have completely forgot the name, but it's by a, a group of writers called the Arbinger Institute. Uh, leadership and self-deception. That's what it's called. There you go. And it's all about how do you have conversations. So check out Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute, as well as uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Cool. Um, if yeah, conversations those, are not happening within your team. And I'll put those in the show notes so that everybody can link to them real quick on Amazon or Audible or something. Uh, to, For sure. So, man, uh, so much here. We're probably gonna have to divide this up into a couple parts, but um, this, there's so much valuable conversation here that I think needs to be discussed because right. as communications has risen up in the church as a valid role, you know, the pastoral position is already there. It's already kind of moving and going. And, and these two have never had to work together. You know, you've right. never had a time where pastors needed to have an Instagram account. You know, right. and, and take photos of their food or whatever it is they think we do. <laughs> so it's like, we've never had a time where you've had to work together on, you know, crafting a message for the front of your website that right. appeals to the people that you're trying to reach. You've never had to understand in a way that we understand it today, that there are people in your community that you're targeting, you know, that you're, you have to know who they are, you know, right. before it was just, we're a church. We just tell people we're here and they'll come. You know, right. and, and so, and it's just not that way anymore. The The noise of, of communicating who we are and what we are and what we have for you and what God wants to do for you is just immense. And you need this position, right. but there's things about it that just, sometimes they don't seem like they go together. Like it seems counterproductive. It seems counter ministry and it's just not. Right. And uh, understanding one another is a really important thing for us going forward. I think that's why I think this article is a great start to a conversation that we may have, may be overdue. And, uh, at this point, 
as churches are starting to, to hire more communication directors and put people in charge of things like even taking their secretary and saying, you're now the communications person. It's like, it's more than just a newsletter and an email, you know, or a right. bulletin and an email that every week it's social media. It's so much more and supporting you to, in, in communicating the 167 other hours of the week that, that we're out there uh, is, is a huge burden and we love it. We love doing this. So, we love it. and we want to, <laughs> we want to succeed with you. So I think it's really great, man. I really just want to say thanks for writing this and putting these things out there and uh, giving us a chance to really discuss it. So thanks for all for this. Sure. Well, you guys can connect with Adam on uh, Twitter. I gave you all those handles, Adam underscore McLaughlin and uh, check out fresh ideas, uh, fresh idea websites.com dot net. Is it .net? No, no, no. Freshideamarketing.com. Fresh ideas marketing. It's my blog. Got it. Adam McLaughlin .net. Dot net. That's what it is. Got it. We'll put all that in the show notes. So it's great. Yeah, yeah, it'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. And that's where I, you know, kind of write about all the church communication things at yeah. AdamMcLaughlin.net. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate your time. We've spent a ton of it here and really dug in. So this has been really, really great. I know that a lot of us feel this way in communications. So voicing some of these things that we maybe couldn't articulate. And it's like, yeah, we struggle to say, here's, here's why this is a thing. You know, it's like helping us communicate with one another and giving us language is really good. So really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, Seth. All right, we'll, we'll be back soon with another installment of the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. Really glad you guys are with us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks. So see ya.